All right, well, we're there in Jonah chapter number 2, and this is now our third uh, sermon, third part of this series as we've been working our way through the book of Jonah. And if you remember last week's sermon, uh, it was entitled The Sign of the Prophet Jonah, and we, it was a, like I said, it was a, more of a theological type sermon. We were dealing with the pictures and the predictions and the prophecies of Christ from the book of Jonah. And we had to preach that sermon. You can't preach through the book of Jonah and not talk about the prophecies of Jesus going to hell and all of those things. Uh, but if you remember the week before that, when we started this series, we began the series with a sermon uh, entitled, you know, Things to Consider Before You Run, or Things to Consider Before You Run from God. And I want you to understand that that sermon and this sermon and basically the rest of the sermons, except for last week's sermons, are, are all connected and building upon each other. So if you weren't here for the first sermon when we talked about things to consider before you run from God, and we talked about the fact that we all have the urge and tendency from time to time to want to run away from God. And I'm not going to re-preach that sermon, but let me just remind you of what we learned in that sermon. We learned that uh, when you run from God or before you run from God, you got to consider not only who you are running from, and which is what we usually fixate upon who we are running from or running from you know uh, your spouse that you want to divorce or your job that you uh, you know feel like you're not uh, getting what you deserve or your church or whatever it might be but you may want to consider where you are running to right and we learned from Peter that great principle when Jesus asked them asked his disciples will ye also go away and he said to whom shall we go thou has the words of uh, eternal life and then of course before you consider, we learned that you can run from God, but you cannot outrun God. And we learned that from Jonah. He ran into the sea, and the Lord prepared a tempest. And he got thrown into the sea, and the Lord prepared a fish. And wherever you run, God's going to meet you there. You can run from God, but you can't outrun God. And we uh, also learned that before we run, we should consider the fact that when we run, we will wreak havoc in the lives of those traveling with us. So before you get backslidden, consider your wife or your husband or your children or your parents or those of you that are in the journey of life with you because you're not only bringing a storm upon your life, but you're bringing a storm upon the mariners that are traveling with you. And then lastly, we learned that when you run from God and you ought to consider before you run from God that God will do whatever he needs to do, not to get back at you, but to get you back. And that is why God brings, you know, these storms and these trials into our lives. Now, with that said, this sermon is a continuation of that thought for those who do not consider before they run, for those who do not take heed of those lessons, and then they go ahead and run from God. They go ahead and get backslidden. They will one day, they will one day find themselves where we find Jonah, our backslidden uh, protagonist of this story here, and they will one day find themselves in the belly of the whale. Now, if you're there in Jonah, I want you to look at chapter 1. We read chapter 2, and that's where we're going to be this morning, but go to chapter 1 just real quickly and look at verse 15. Jonah 1.15 says this, So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Notice verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. The Lord Jesus Christ quotes this in the New Testament as a whale. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah 
finds himself in this, what I'm referring to in this sermon as the belly of the whale moment. And you say, what is the belly of the whale moment? The belly of the whale moment is that moment when you've already, you know, ignored the considerations that you were supposed to take before you ran. You chose to run anyway, and you've had your fun, you had your fling, you had your, you know, time out there sowing your wild oats or or whatever it might be, and then God steps in. And the judgment of God comes upon your life. And the punishment of God comes upon your life. And he corrects you. And we have, you know, in our lives, what Jonah is experiencing, which is this belly of the whale moment, where he's literally in the belly of a whale. Now, for Jonah, the belly of the whale moment was literally being in the belly of a whale. But, you know, for different people, this moment might look like different things. For the prodigal son, if you remember the story of the prodigal son, the belly of the whale moment for the prodigal son came in the form of him filling his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. Do you remember that? That was his belly of the whale moment when he was sitting there and he was alone and he was hungry and no one would help him and he's considering eating you know, what the pigs are eating. That was his belly of the whale moment for David. The belly of the whale moment came in the form of having his newborn baby die. For Samson, the belly of the whale moment came in the form of grinding in the prison house with his eyes plucked out. For Jacob, the whale, the belly of the whale moment, the belly of the whale moment for Jacob was waking up the night after his wedding day, and, you know, waking up next to Leah when he expected Rachel. What I'm telling you is that whenever you do wrong, and whenever you choose to ignore God, and whenever you choose to, what we call, you know, as, as Bible-believing Christians, get backslidden with God, just realize that however long your backsliding goes, if you're saved, if you have a heavenly Father who loves you and corrects you, you will at some point find yourself in the belly of the whale. In that moment when you realize that the wrath of God, the the judgment of God, the chastisement of God is upon you. And in this chapter, we see Jonah get right with God. We see him come out of the belly of the whale. What I want to do this morning is just give you four steps, four steps that we see Jonah take here to get right with God and to get out of the belly of the whale. Now, let me just say a couple of things. Some of you may think, well, I don't really need this sermon. I'm, you know, everything's good in my life. I'm right with God. I'm right with the Lord. I don't feel like there's any problems or issues. That's fine. You, I would encourage you to write these steps down. I would encourage you to take notes. If there, there's a, a course of the week on the back of the course of the week. There's a place for you to write notes. If you don't have a baby sitting on your lap, I'd encourage you to write these things down because you may be able to help somebody one day who finds himself in the belly of a whale moment and they call you. You know, maybe it's their only phone call they get from where they're at and they call you. Maybe it's, you know, they're reaching out to you because they know that the way you live your lifestyle and your consistency, like we learned about Elijah on Sunday night, and, and, and they know that they can go to you and they can come to you. You know, you might be able to walk someone through this and help them. But here's the thing. You may need it one day yourself. Because just because you're right now doesn't mean you'll always be right. And just because things are going well now doesn't mean that things will always be going well. Some of you may be finding yourself right now in the belly of the whale. (coughs) Excuse me. That may be the reason you're even in church this morning. I've noticed that people often make their way to church when they find themselves in the belly of the whale. 
That may be why you're here. That may be why you started coming. That may be because you got to the place in your life where you realize that you're not getting away with it anymore. God is not going to allow you to run anymore. And all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere, a whale popped up and swallowed you up, and you're there right now, and that's why you're actually here right now, and this sermon is great for you. But then there are those who are running. Maybe there's a teenager here this morning who's physically here because mom and dad make them be here, but in their heart, they're running. In their heart, they're gone. Maybe there's a wife here who's physically here, because her husband and her children expect her to be here, or a husband who's physically here because wife and children expect them to be here. There's someone who's physically here because they're expected to be here for whatever reason, but in their heart, they're already gotten, they've already ran. And, and here's what I've learned. You're not ready for this sermon in the heat of the battle. You're not ready for this sermon in the midst of the adultery. You're not ready for this sermon in the midst of the stealing, the lying, the corruption. You're not ready for this sermon in the heat of sin, but you may want to just listen up because one day you will find yourself in the belly of the whale. If you're saved, you'll find yourself in the belly of the whale. And you may want to just write these things down, jot them down, grab that course of the week, just write the notes down, fold it up, put in your Bible, right there in Jonah chapter 2. And one day, one day, when you find yourself in the belly of the well, you'll know exactly where to go. You can walk up to that shelf. You can pull out the Bible. You can take all the dust off of it. You can open up to Jonah chapter 2, unfold the piece of paper, and find yourself with the steps that you'll need to get right with God. The steps to get you out of the belly of the well. So what are the steps? What is it that Jonah did? Number one this morning, I'd like you to notice, Jonah recognized his condition. The first thing that Jonah did in the belly of the whale, the first step that he took is that he recognized his condition. Notice verse 1 there, Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, notice what he says. I want you to notice the wording here. He says, I cried by reason of, notice what he says, my affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried, I want you to notice the wording here, I. And thou heardest, notice the wording, my voice. For thou hast cast, notice, me into the deep. In the midst of the seas and the floods, compass, notice what he says, me about. All thy billows and thy waves pass over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward the holy temple. The waters compass, notice what he says, me about, even to the soul. The depths close me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. You say, what can we learn from this? Here's what we can learn. Jonah recognized where he was. And where was he? He was under the judgment or the affliction of God. And I want you to understand this because it's human nature. In fact, just a few months ago, I think, or earlier this year, I preached an entire series. We spent three weeks just kind of dissecting this idea that it is human nature to blame others and shift the blame for the problems in our lives. There are people called psychiatrists and psychologists who make you know, very good living by having people sit on a couch and talk about how it's your mom's fault that you're a loser, it's your dad's fault that you're a loser, it's your neighbor's fault that you're a loser, it's your brother's fault that you're a loser. It's everybody's fault and anybody's fault except for me. And here's what I want you to understand. Even if there's truth to that, even if your mom could have been a better mom, and even if your dad could have been a better dad, 
And even if your brother could have treated you better or your sister could have treated you better or maybe, and I'm not minimizing, you know, some of you have gone through some terrible things in your childhood and, and maybe, you know, if that person wouldn't have and this person would have or whatever it might be, all of that may be true. But realize when you're in the belly of the whale, it's just you. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. You say, it was my mom's fault. Yeah, but you're the one that's in the belly of the whale. It's my dad's fault. Yeah, but you're the one that's suffering the consequences. See, Jonah had to recognize where he was, that he was under the judgment and the affliction of God. And see, before Jonah would have said, well, it's Nineveh. If they weren't so bad, if they weren't so terrible, if they weren't so mean. But now we see that his song has changed. And he says, it's me, Lord. It's me standing at the need of prayer. He understood that he was under the judgment of God, but I want you to notice, and I just want you to understand this. Keep your place there in Jonah chapter 2. That's our text for this morning. Go with me to the book of Psalms. If you open up your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely following Psalms. Keep your place in Psalms because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it throughout the sermon. But I want you to notice Psalm 119 and verse 67. I want you to understand that God uses affliction and judgment in our lives. God uses affliction and judgment in our lives to get our attention. Psalm 119 and verse 67, notice what the psalmist said. Psalm 119 and verse 67, the Bible says this, before, notice what he says, before I was afflicted, this is what Jonah could say this, before I was afflicted, before I was thrown in the midst of the sea, before I was swallowed by the whale, before I was afflicted, notice what he says, I went astray. See, he said, I I was running. I was going astray, but then I was afflicted. You say, why? Because God uses affliction to get our attention. Notice verse 75, same chapter. Psalm 119, verse 75. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right. Notice what he says. And that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. See, when God afflicts you, he does it in faithfulness. He does it in righteousness. He does it because of who he is and because of what he's trying to accomplish in your life. So just realize, when you find yourself in the belly of the whale moment, whether it's grinding in the prison, blind like Samson, whether it's mourning the death of your newborn son like David, whether it's realizing that you are now married to someone that you never intended to be married to, like Jacob, whatever it is, realize when you find yourself in the belly of the whale, realize that you're there because God is trying to shake you. Because God, you know, it's interesting how God is able to isolate us when he wants to. See, Jonah recognized where he was, but I want you to understand something. He not only recognized where he was, he recognized why he was there. Go, keep your place in the Psalms. Go to, go to Jonah chapter 2. Here's what you need to understand. In the belly of the whale, it's just you and God. In the belly of the whale, it's just, it's just you and God. It's not you and wife and me or husband and me or mom or dad or whatever it might be. It's just you and God. And Jonah understood this. He understood where he was under the judgment of God, but he understood why he was there. Jonah chapter 2, verse 2. Notice what he says. He says, I cried by reason of mine affliction. Notice again the emphasis, unto the Lord. And he, who, the Lord, heard me out of the belly of hell, cried out. And thou, notice what he says, thou heardest my voice. And I want you to really understand this. I want you to grasp this in verse 3. He says, for thou, who's thou? The Lord. Notice what he says. For thou 
hath cast me into the deep. And you've got to ask this question, who threw Jonah into the sea? And see, there was a time in Jonah's life when he might have said, well, it was Nineveh's fault. Well, it was the mariner's fault. Well, it was the captain's fault, and it was his person's fault, and it was that person's fault. But in the belly of the whale, Jonah recognizes that this is just between me and God. And he said, yes, there might have been other players that played a part in this, but he said, God, you are the one. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compass me about all thy billows and thy waves have passed over me. See, before the belly of the whale moment, we often blame others for our problems. And it's human nature. It's human nature to shift the blame. It's human nature to pass the buck. It's human nature to want to say, it's this person's fault and that person's fault and this person and, and this and that. But listen, here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. You say, well, my wife hurt me. Yeah, but you're the one in the belly of the whale. Well, my, my, my co-worker, yeah, but it's you who are now in the belly of the whale. Well, if the church would have, and if the pastor would have, or if my parents would have, yeah, but it's you who are suffering the consequences. And you need to understand that it is you and God in the belly of the whale. And he says they're all, the mariners played a part, the captain played a part, Nineveh played a part, but he says, for thou hadst cast me into the deep. Please understand this. Jonah spent three days and three nights in the whale's belly. You say, why did he spend three days and three nights? Well, part of it was because God wanted to use this as a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jonah didn't know that. See, Jonah spent three days and three nights in the whale's belly. You say, why? Because it took him three days and three nights to come to the point where he could recognize where he was and why he was there. See, you can spend as much or as little time in the whale's belly as you want. But you will never, please understand this, you will never get out of the belly of the whale until the moment that you are willing to take responsibility for your own actions and say, you know what, it's me and God. God has brought me here. I am under the judgment of God. I know where I am and why I am there. Go to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Remember, we're talking about the belly of the whale moments in our lives. Remember, David committed adultery, and he found himself in the belly of the whale. And it came in the form for David. It came in the form of a sickness that came upon his newborn child that ended up killing that baby after seven days. But I want you to notice when David was in the belly of his whale and the prayer in Jonah 2, we have a prayer of Jonah praying out to God and getting right with God. Well, in Psalm 51, we have a prayer of David calling out to God from the belly of the whale, getting right with God. I want you to notice what he says. Psalm 51 and verse 1, it says to the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had uh, uh, gone into Bathsheba. You might have that written in your uh, Bible as well. Notice what it says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Verses, notice verse 3. He says, For I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. David said, I'm willing to recognize. I'm willing to admit and acknowledge and even confess. And I want you to notice verse 4. Verse 4 bothered me for a long time. When I would study this story, or I'd read this psalm, it would bother me. He'd say, against thee, thee only have I sinned. And it used to bother me when David would say that, because I'd say, but David, what do you mean against thee, thee only have I sinned? There's other people involved here. Bathsheba's involved. 
and Uriah the Hittite's involved. And what about your newborn baby and Ahithophel and all sorts of different people that are involved? But you have to realize that what David is saying, he's not, he's not minimizing the effect that he's had on those individuals, but what he's saying is that he's realizing that this is between him and God. And that where he finds himself now is a result of the choices and the actions that he made. He says, against thee only have I sinned, and does, done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and clear when thou judgest. You're there in Psalm 51. Go to Psalm 32. Psalm 32, look at verse 5. Psalm 32 and verse number 5. Psalm 32 and verse 5. Actually, look at verse 1 just real quickly. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Look at verse 5. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. See, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But he will not forgive us our sins till we confess our sins. And we will not confess our sins till we are willing to recognize and acknowledge that where I am is a result of the decisions that I've made. And this is where God brings you in the belly of a whale. Jonah not only recognized where he was, but he recognized why he was there. And you will never, you will never get out of the belly of the whale until you are willing to admit that God put you there in your current state and that God put you there because of the actions that you've taken. So we see the first step. You say, Pastor Ben, when I find myself in the belly of the whale, whatever that looks like for you, for some of you, it may look like a divorce. For some of you, it may look like, like losing a relationship with your children or with your spouse or with your parents. For some of you, it may look like prison. I don't know. Whatever it looks like for you, just realize when you get there, the only way to get out of there spiritually with God, to get right with God, is to recognize. And Jonah recognized where he was and why he was there. He's willing to admit it and acknowledge it, not shift the blame, not say, well, if only the mariners, well, if only the captain, well, if only Nineveh. To just say, it's me, God. I acknowledge my sin before thee. And I confess it. So how do we get out of the belly of the whale? How do we get right with God? Number one, Jonah recognizes his condition. Number two, go back to Jonah. Keep your place in Psalm. We're going to come back to it. Jonah chapter 2. Why don't you notice, not only, step one is not only that he recognizes his condition, but I'd like you to notice, secondly, that Jonah remembered the Lord. Jonah remembered the Lord. Notice verse 6. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth of the bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Notice verse 7. When my soul fainted... Within me, notice what he says, I remembered the Lord. So not only did Jonah recognize where he was and why he was there, but Jonah remembered the Lord. And here's what's interesting. We usually only remember the Lord when we run out of options. Isn't that true? We usually only remember the Lord when there's nowhere else to go. There's no one else to call. There's no other bail money coming. There's no one else to help us. We usually remember the Lord when we run out of options. And that's what Jonah says, verse 7. He says, when my soul fainted within me, when, when, when I finally gave up and quit running and said, you know what, God, I'm done. He says, then I remembered the Lord. Go to Luke 15. In the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 15. And here's what you need to understand. This is the purpose of the belly of the whale. 
The purpose of the belly of the whale is not only to isolate you so that you will have to deal with things with God, but the purpose of the belly of the whale is to isolate you so that you will have nowhere else to go but God. So that you will remember the Lord. This happened with our example, the prodigal son. Luke 15, look at verse 15. Remember the prodigal son, famous story, famous parable? Luke 15, verse 15, notice what it says. And he, this is the prodigal son, runs from God, runs from his father. Went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the field to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him, verse 17. And when he, I love this phrase. When he came to himself. This is the same idea that Jonah said in chapter 2 and verse 7. When my soul fainted within me. Here's, here's what he's saying. When it says when he came to himself, it says it means when he came to the end of his rope. When he ran out of options. When there was no one else to call, no one else to help, no one else was going, I, I have nowhere else to go. Then he remembered, notice, he said, how many, hired, of, how many uh, hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. It's notice that when, it's, it's interesting that when he comes to himself, he remembers, I'm over here starving, while the servants of my father are eating well. And here's all I'm trying to help you with. When you run, go ahead and run. You don't want to listen to the four reasons why you should not run and why you should consider the fact that you're going to wreak havoc in your wife's life, in your husband's life, in your children's life. You don't want to consider the fact that wherever you go, God's going to meet you there and God's going to deal with you as a child because he's your father. That's fine. Just realize this. When you've ran out of places to go, remember the Lord. Remember God. Because that's why he puts you in the belly of the whale. So that you have nowhere else to go. So step one, Jonah recognized his condition. But step two, Jonah remembered the Lord. Go to Revelation chapter two. Revelation chapter two. Revelation chapter two. Last book in the New Testament should be fairly easy to find. I know you have your place in Psalm. Continue to keep your place in Psalm, but keep your place in Revelation two also because we're going to go back and forth between Jonah two, Revelation two, and the book of Psalms. Revelation 2, notice verse 4. This is, of course, Jesus speaking to the churches of Asia. He says, Nevertheless, I have someone against thee. Notice what he says. Because thou hast left thy first love. Notice what he says. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Jonah remembered the Lord. And Jesus is telling these people, Why don't you remember how it used to be? Remember how it used to be when you walked with God. Here's what he's saying. Remember how it used to be before the bitterness took root in your heart. Remember how it used to be before the wrath took hold in your heart. The anger, the sin, the world. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, what you, you run away from God. That's fine. God lets you run and run and run and run and run. But one day the whale comes. And you find yourself in the belly of the whale. And you finally get to the place where you realize that I've got to do something. I can't do this. And you recognize that you're under the judgment of God and you're there not because of anybody else's fault but your own. And then you remember the Lord and you remember, you know, my father's servants have more bread than this. And here's what's interesting about the prodigal son. 
He was running from what? He was running from guidelines. He was running from boundaries. He was running from borders. He didn't want to be under the supervision of his dad. He didn't want to be under the commands of his dad. He didn't want to be under the laws of that. And isn't that why Christians run? They don't want to be under the supervision of their Heavenly Father. They don't want to be under the commands of their Heavenly Father. They want to do whatever they want to do. Well, listen to me. You go ahead and do whatever you want to do. But when you find yourself in the belly of the whale, you'll realize that it was better how it used to be. And there is more freedom in the laws of God than there is running with the world. There is more free. Look, look, you say, Pastor Matthews, you live this rigid life. I mean, you don't drink alcohol. You don't go to parties. You don't do this. You don't do that. But you know what? That I'm actually living a much freer life than the drug addict is. You know that I'm living a much freer and happier life than the drunkard is. Do you know that I'm living a much more financially successful life than the person that's addicted to gambling, than the person that's addicted to prescription drugs, than the person that's... Here's all I'm telling you. When you get to the end of yourself, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Because Jonah recognized his condition. But step two, he remembered the Lord. He remembered how it used to be. But more importantly, he remembered how it... Could be. Go back to Jonah chapter 2. How do we get out of the belly of the whale? Well, number one, you must recognize. Number two, you must remember. But number three, I want you to notice, Jonah repented from his wrong direction. Jonah repented from his wrong direction. In Jonah chapter 2 and verse 8, he says this. And verse 8 is an interesting verse. I think it's probably the most important verse in this chapter. And I want you to notice because it's an interesting verse, the way it's worded. He says, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And I want to just take a few moments to kind of just break this thing down. He says, They that observe, they that give attention to, they that put their energy behind, lying vanities forsake their own mercy. You say, what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about lying vanities, and if there's anybody in the Bible who understands vanity, who's an expert in vanities, it is King Solomon. And he talks about it a lot in the book of Ecclesiastes. In fact, let's just go there real quickly. Ecclesiastes chapter number 2, if you kept your place in Psalms, continue to keep your place in Psalms, but from Psalms you got the book of Proverbs, then you have the book of Ecclesiastes. Because remember, Jonah is running away from God, and he's running towards Whatever idol, whatever it is that you make more important than God, you make more of a priority to God, whatever it is you want to run after, that's what Jonah was running after. Vanity. But it's interesting because he calls it lying vanities. Now, Solomon teaches us about vanities. If you're there in Ecclesiastes 2, look at verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. He says, I said in mine heart, go to now and I will prove thee with myrrh. Therefore, enjoy pleasure and behold, this also is Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. Notice the last verse, the last word in the verse. This also is vanity. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you're reading a book by a man, an old man, who has basically wasted his life. He says over and over in this book, you know, vanity of vanities, all is vanity under the sun. And, and God is telling us, and by the way, Solomon was saved. He was a Christian, and he was a very wise man. You could take his counsel, he just didn't take his own counsel. And, and he tells us, he tells us you know, what he did with his life. And he talks about the self-life, the life that pursues self, 
that pursues vanity, that pursues what I want. Notice what he says, Ecclesiastes 2, verse 1. I said in my heart, go to now, and I will prove thee with mercy. See, different people pursue different things. The self-life may have different motivations. Some people pursue happiness. He says, I will prove thee with myrrh. The word myrrh means happiness, joyfulness. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. Verse 2, I said of laughter, it is bad. And of myrrh, what doeth it? I, I, I wish I could tell you about conversation after conversation that I've had with people over the last eight years of ministry. And they maybe used different wording and there was different things, but it basically came down to this. I know what the Bible says, but don't I have a right to be happy? Well, I know what the Bible says about marriage and that it's supposed to be a covenant forever but, and, and that, you know, I'm committing adultery if I divorce and get remarried. But don't I have a right to be happy? It's the American dream, isn't it? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But Solomon tells us that there are some people who pursue happiness. Myrrh, pleasure, laughter, vanity. Other people, they don't pursue happiness. You know what they pursue? Alcohol and drugs. Look at verse 3. I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine. And you know say Wine, alcohol, drugs, all the same thing. There are other people who seek after possessions. Look at verse 4. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water and waters therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. Notice verse 7. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in mine house. Also I had great possessions and great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. He says, look, I pursued happiness and I pursued alcohol and I pursued possessions. Houses and gardens and vineyards and trees and servants and maidens. I pursued all of it. In verse 8, he tells us that he pursued after money. Some people pursue money. Verse 8, I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasures of kings and of the uh, provinces. At the end of verse 8 there, he tells us that he pursued entertainment. Notice what he says. I get me men singers and women singers and the delights of the songs of men as musical instruments uh, and that all of the swords. He's like, you know, some people, they're pursuing entertainment. Others are pursuing possessions. Others are pursuing money. Others are pursuing happiness. Some people are just pursuing success. Verse 9. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained in me. This is the one that pastors often, I mean, pastors fall themselves into all these categories. But, you know, something that pastors have to guard themselves is to guard themselves against the motivation. What is your motivation? Is my motivation to pastor the largest church in Sacramento so that I can be successful? Or is it to do the will of God? And here he says, he says, I was great and increased more than all that were before me. And look, all of this, all of and, and we, could, we could go through the whole book of Ecclesiastes. He pursued women had 700 wives, 300 concubines. He, he, he pursued wisdom, and he pursued education. He pursued In Ecclesiastes, he basically pursues everything that anybody could pursue. This one man pursued everything and anything that the world would tell you would bring you happiness. Notice verse 10. And whatsoever mine eye desired, I kept not from them. I mean, doesn't that sound like a great life in the flesh? I mean, doesn't it just sound like a wonderful life? If you had the money and the ability, 
The freedom to do whatever you want. That's what Solomon said. He said, I, uh, he said, whatsoever mine eye desired, I kept not from them. He said, there was nothing I saw that I never told myself no to. You say, well, how did it end up for Solomon? Well, it ended up for Solomon like it ends up for most of, you know, the rock stars and most of the movie stars and most of the rich and famous people in this world. Look at verse 17. Therefore, I hated life. Don't, don't miss that. Pastor Jimenez, I'm pursuing money. You're going to hate your life. I, I, I'm just pursuing entertainment. You'll hate your life. I, I, I'm just, I just want to be happy. Don't I have a right to be happy? You will hate your life. You say, why? Because they're lying vanities. They deceive you. They tell you they will make you happy, but all they do is make you hate your life. He says, therefore, I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is... And by the way, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is song... We're, we're, we're now with Solomon in the belly of the whale. And the belly of his whale looks like an old man that had every advantage in life and wasted it. He says, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. See, here's what Jonah says. Go go back to Jonah chapter 2. They that observe lying vanities, Jonah says, I realized that I was following after something that I thought would make me happy, but it lied to me. And like Solomon, he could say, I hated life. And then he says this. Notice verse 8. They that observe lying vanities, don't miss this, forsake their own mercy. So you remember, Jonah's in the belly of the whale. And Jonah's realizing this. Here's what he's realizing. And just write this down. Just, you can write a note right next to Jonah chapter 2 and verse 8. Just write this statement now. Jonah <laughs> realizes that when you walk away from God, when you walk away from God, whatever it is that you're pursuing, if it's women, if it's wealth, if it's wine, if it's success, if it's money, whatever it might be, when you walk away from God, you walk away from the blessings and the protection of God. See, he says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Do you know what the best thing you've got going for you is God? Do you know that it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed? Great is thy faith. You know what the greatest thing I've got going for me is the mercy and the grace of God. And when I walk away from God, I walk away from the protections and the blessings of God. And I find myself in the belly of the whale. So what does Jonah do? Well, he repents. He chooses to come back. Notice notice verse 9. He says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. See, Jonah is choosing to come back to God to keep his commitment to God, even if it costs him something even if he didn't want to. Remember our friends in Asia, the, the church at Ephesus? Go back to Revelation 2. It's interesting how this all just fits perfectly together. Jonah recognized, Jonah remembered, Jonah repented. What does the Bible say in Revelation 2.5? Jesus is telling a backslidden church of Ephesus. He says, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent. Turn back. Go back to where you should have been. Go back. Now, next week we're going to talk about repentance in regards to salvation when we get to Jonah chapter 3. But here we're talking about a turning direction. I'm not talking about salvation. 
Come on, the Christian life, someone's already saved. What does it mean to repent? It means that you are going in one direction and you start going in a different direction. You not only confess your sins, go to Proverbs 28. I, I know we're going a lot of verses, but just look at these together. If you get your place in Psalms, right after Psalms, you got Proverbs. Proverbs 28, look at verse 13. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covered the sin shall not prosper. Jonah, you want to cover your sin? You think you're hiding it from everyone? Look, you may be hiding it. You may be hiding it from your husband or your wife or your pastor or your children, but there's one person you're not hiding it from, and that is God. You can look that way, and you can look that way, and you can look behind you, and you can look all around, but don't forget to look up. Because nothing is hid from God. He that covered the sin shall not prosper. Notice, but whoso confesseth, say, yeah, I'm willing to recognize. Okay, and forsaketh them. That's the repentance. Shall have mercy. And see, Jonah says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. Go back to Jonah. Jonah chapter 2. If there's one thing, one of these days I'm going to preach an entire sermon on this, but if there's one thing that I, I, I'd like you to understand with this idea of repentance. Just a few nights ago, we, I, you know, we, we sat down, my wife and I sat down with our kids, and, and, and I, I went through this with them. Because if I can help them understand this when they're young children, it'll help them for the rest of their lives, and I hope that some of you will just get this, that you will get this in your life. Direction determines destination. Direction determines destination. See, people come in my office and they say, Pastor, I need you to fix, fix my relationship with my children, fix my relationship with my spouse, fix my financial problem, fix my health problems, fix this, fix that. Can you tell me what the Bible says so I can fix it? And here's the thing. We can't fix that. You took steps that got you there. Direction determines destination. Where you are is a result of the choices and decisions that you made. And when you get there, when you get... See, you never said, I'm going to start heading towards divorce. I'm going to start heading towards bankruptcy. I'm going to start heading towards an addiction. Those homeless people out there never said, you know what? I'm going to start heading towards, you know, just being on the street, being dirty, being strung out to the burning every bridge so that no one's willing to help me. They never said, that's where I'm wanting to go. But they did begin to take steps. And that's where they ended up. Because direction determines destination. You say, Pastor, fix my problems. I can't fix your problems. You say, the, way you, the same way you walked into that, you're going to have to walk out of it. And you're going to have to start making directions, steps in an opposite direction. It doesn't happen like that. Fix my problem. You fix a car. You don't fix a life. You take steps that lead you in a certain direction. And your direction will determine your destination. Why is Jonah in the belly of the whale? Because he went down to Joppa. Because he paid the fare to get on the boat. Because he went down to the bottom of the boat and fell asleep. Because direction determines destination. And if you want to fix your problems, you're going to have to repent and start walking in a different direction. That's how it works. If I could say, one, two, three, let's pray this prayer, here's this verse, and fix your drug addiction, I would have, made, I would have wrote a book and made millions. 
One, two, three, say this prayer and read this verse. I'm going to fix your marriage problem. It doesn't work that way. You got yourself in the mess you're in. And you've got to walk your way out. And it doesn't happen overnight. So Jonah recognized. And Jonah remembered. And Jonah repented. He changed his direction. He decided, I'm going to start taking the steps. The same steps that got me into the belly of the well, I'm going to start going in the other direction to get myself out of the belly of the well. Step four. This is the last point. We're done. Jonah's, Jonah chapter 2, verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited him out, and it vomited out Jonah. I love the, the, the wording there. It vomited out Jonah. It's not pretty. And look, when you start getting your life right, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be work. And it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Look at verse 1, chapter 3. I love this. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Aren't you thankful for a second chance? Aren't you thankful for the God of the second chance? See, God didn't just give up on Jonah and say, Jonah, you're completely useless. You're worthless. I'm done with you. No, God had to put Jonah and take Jonah through some things. But when Jonah was ready, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Now, I want you to notice something in this this passage here. Notice verse 2 of chapter 3. Notice the wording. Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city. Remember that. Jonah chapter 3, verse 2. When the word of the Lord came again the second time, what was the word of the Lord? Here, here's the word of the Lord. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Here's what's interesting. In Jonah chapter 1, if I go there, before this whole mess with the whale and the fish and the storm happened, before Jonah ran away from God and got back and got away from God, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, verse 2. Notice what it said. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Before the whale... It was, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. After the whale, it was, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Please understand this. God's plans and God's will does not change. God sometimes has to change you to fit his will. But his will doesn't change. And by the way, just understand this. Please, please understand this. When you leave off, but please get this. Some of you need to just write this down. Because some of you are getting ready to leave, and that's fine. That's fine. Just remember this. Where you leave off with God is where you'll have to start back with God when you get back. Jonah said, I'm not going to Nineveh. God says, okay, we're going to have a whole little episode, and we're going to have to add a a whole book in the Bible just for you, Jonah. And they have the storm and the whale and blah, 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 and everything gets done, and he he, he, he recognizes, and he remembers, and he repents. And then when he gets back, God says, Nineveh is still on the agenda. In fact, Nineveh was never off the agenda. And just remember, just remember this. Where you leave off with God is where you'll have to get back with God when you come back. See, God is not the United States public school system. He doesn't just pass you on whether you pass the test or not. It's not no child left behind with God. If you fail the test, you've got to take it again. 
And if you fail it again, you got to take it again. You got to take it again. You got to take it again. Wherever you leave off with God, that's where you'll have to step up, uh, 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 restart with God. And let me say this also, because here's what we're learning from Jonah. Here's what we're learning is that you cannot run away from your problems. You can't run away from your problems. Let me, give you, let me just give you a little, a little you know, um, tip here. There is a reason why the people who get divorced the first time are more likely to get divorced the second time. Statistically proven, not by fundamental Baptists. Statistically, just, just a, a, a truth is that people who get divorced the first time have an increased chance of getting divorced the second time. That's why people who get divorced the first time end up getting divorced the second time and a third time and a fourth time. You say, why? Because here's what happened. People say, I, I'm having all these problems with my wife. I'm having all these problems with my husband. I'm going to leave them. I'm going to run from them, and I'm going to go find me another husband. I'm going to go find me another wife. But when you get there, your problems are still there. Why? Because you can't run from your problems. I'm mad at pastor. I'm mad at pastor's wife. I can't get along with church people at church. I'm going to quit and go to another church. But when you get to that church, you're going to have problems with the people there. Because you can't run away from your problems. Ah, my boss doesn't know what he's doing. He's such an idiot. If he would just listen, I'm going to quit and go get. But when you get to the other job, that boss is going to be an idiot too, according to you. Because you don't run away your problems. You say, why? Because you are the problem. <laughs> because it's you. It's not anybody else. It's you. That's why you can't get along with anybody. That's why you have problems with your mom and with your dad and with your brothers and with your sisters and with the church people and with co-workers and with random people you meet at the grocery store and you think, oh, everybody has a problem. And it's like, no, the common denominator is you. You cannot, look, here's all I'm saying. If you leave because of Nineveh, when you get back, when you get back, go ahead and have your little story. That's fine. Get your little testimony in. But when you get back, you still have to deal with Nineveh. Because when the word of the Lord came again unto Jonah, it did not change. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Notice verse 3. So Jonah arose and went. Where did he go? Unto Nineveh. Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh. What is Jonah doing? Here's what he's doing. He's doing what he should have been doing all along. Pastor, I have failed as a father. My children hate me. I don't have a relationship with them. I took steps and directions that brought me to a place where I failed. What do I do? Here's what you do. Let me just let you in on a secret. Here's what you do. You begin to do today what you should have been doing all along. That's what repentance is. I failed as a wife. I failed as a husband. I've made choices and decisions that have caused my relationship. What do I do? Here's what you do. You begin to do today what you should have been doing all along. And nothing's going to get fixed till you do that, till you change your direction. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh. Go back to Revelation chapter 2. We're almost done. We're going to look at Revelation 2. We're going to look at one more verse in Jonah 3, and we'll be finished up. Revelation 2. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, right? Jonah recognized. Jonah remembered. And repent. Jonah repented. Notice. And do the first works. Jonah returned. And he began to do what he should have been doing all along. Pastor, I've made a financial mess out of my life. I'm in so much debt. I'm in this. I'm in that. I, you know, what do I do? 
You know, people they get this idea. I'm gonna go get this debt, this loan. It's gonna consolidate my debt, and it's gonna get me out of debt. You, you're gonna, you're, you're not. Look, you don't get yourself out of a hole by digging deeper. The, the the loans is what got you into the debt to begin with. And I'm not bridging on finances. I'll do that another time. But here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Your finances, your children, your marriage, your health. Whatever problem you have, just realize this. Start going in a different direction and begin to do what you should have been doing all along. Because that's what Jonah did. He said, I should have just gone to Nineveh. Now, let me say this. Let me just end with this. Why? Why? Why why does God do this? Why does God do this to Jonah? Why did God put Jonah? Why did God put Jonah in the belly of the whale? Why did God bring the prodigal son in the story there? Why did Jesus in that story bring the prodigal son to the place where he feigned to feed himself with the husk that the swine did eat? Why? Why did Jacob wake up next to Leah instead of Rachel? Why did David have to uh, uh, bury a seven-year-old, a seven-day-old baby? Why did Samson have his eyes plucked out and his hair shaved off and, and was made a mockery? By grinding in the middle of the prison. Why? Why does God do that? One reason. Why did God do it for Jonah? One reason. For Nineveh. Jonah chapter 3 verse 2. Arise, go unto Nineveh. God did it for Jonah, but you know who God really did it for? Nineveh. Nineveh needed it. And God unfortunately doesn't have a lot of options. That's why he said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And God says, Jonah, you're it. You're all I've got. And if I've got to get you swallowed in a whale to get you to go, then I'll do that. So here's all I'm saying, Jonah. Here's all I'm saying, teenager. When you realize, prodigal son, that your sin has hurt and affected the relationship with your siblings and your parents, Here's all I'm saying, husband or wife. When you realize, like Jacob, that your sin has affected and hurt your marriage. Here's all I'm saying, mom or dad. When you realize that, like David, your sin has now affected the lives of your children. Here's all I'm saying, Samson, when you realize that your sin has ruined your life and you find yourself in the belly of the whale, head over, head over to that bookshelf, pull out that Bible, take the dust off of you, open up to Jonah chapter 2, pull out the little chorus of the week with the notes you took years ago that say recognize and remember and repent and return because God is doing a work in your life, not for you, but for Nineveh. And Nineveh may be your wife. Nineveh may be your husband. Nineveh may be your children. Nineveh may be your mom or your dad or your friends or your co-workers. But God puts all this time and energy into us because he wants to use us. And in chapter 3, we're going to see one of the greatest revivals that ever took place in history because God put Jonah in the belly of a whale. 
Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father.